Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, expert tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Welcome to episode number 315 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Great topic today coming to us from John in California, who has been a three-time VIP student of ours. I don't really talk much about our coaching or our courses or anything like that on this show, but in case you're not familiar, our VIP coaching is a private instructional experience that we do over two days where we have a single student and all three coaches collaborate together. You've probably seen, if you watch our stuff on YouTube or Facebook, then you've probably seen us working with students. And John has gone through that process three times. It's been really, really incredible and really, really exciting and gratifying to see him progress. And he's just coming off a break where he had a a big work project. He's got kids. He's you know he has a family. He's got a career, and so this happens where life get unfortunately gets in the way of tennis from time to time. So his question to me was, "Where do I start back up after a layoff from the court? Should I polish my strengths or sharpen my weaknesses? How do I build momentum again?" So today on episode 315, we're going to talk about how to play great after a tennis break. It could be from injury, it could be from work, it could be from family. Life gets in the way sometimes. So I want to start this off. There's going to be five steps here. I'm going to give five very actionable things to focus on or not focus on and do or to not do that I believe really makes a tremendous difference in in either struggling after a long break, whether it's months or or years or who knows, maybe even decades, or feeling really confident really quickly and very fast, finding your footing again, finding your comfort level again, finding your, your confidence and your rhythm and your timing. This is based on my personal experience and also experience helping students a lot of times come back from injury or other stuff that comes up in their life. And before we get into the five steps, I I think it's important to point out that in my experience, being around the the game of tennis for almost, almost 30 years now, some people are great at starting up again after a break and other people are terrible at it. It reminds me of in college, I played three years of division to NCAA tennis. And after our Christmas break, our, our winter break, which was, I think, close to four weeks, it was, it was multiple weeks for sure. And we would all go back home and come back again. And that very first training session after a long break like that, it was kind of fascinating to see who was already feeling great and who was like really rusty. And I always ended up being on the rusty end of the spectrum. I'm just kind of a rhythm and a timing player. If I'm not hitting a lot of balls, then I just don't feel confident. I just don't have a high comfort level. On the other end of the spectrum, one of my teammates, Francisco, who was from uh, Venezuela, he would come back after a long break, and I swear he would play better. And he was at the top of our lineup. He was one of our strongest players, and it was it was ridiculous. And he admitted to not doing anything during the break. And some people are just like that. Some some people do great with an extended time away from the court to kind of recuperate and gather themselves and just be calm and and just be away from the game for a little bit, and they come back feeling better than ever. 
other people like me need reps and they, they need the rhythm of the ball going back and forth. And if it's not a very regular routine thing, then that comfort level is just not there. So that's number one. And it's kind of leads us right into the, the first of five steps. Number one, set a helpful objective. There are things that can help you on your way and things that can hinder you and hurt you. And setting healthy expectations, as in all areas of life, is really critical. And this reminds me of a little formula that maybe you've heard of before. I have no idea where this originates from. Definitely not from me. I probably heard it on the Tim Ferriss podcast at some point. But that formula is happiness equals reality minus expectations. Again, happiness equals reality minus expectations. In other words, like whatever is actually happening minus what you were expecting to happen is how much happiness you have left over. So if you were expecting really big things, but the reality is something terrible happened, then your happiness is going to be really, really low. If your expectations were very low and the reality is very high, like you killed it, you crushed it, then happiness is very high. And so I think it's important to keep in mind the first thing I mentioned, and that's some people just struggle coming back from a long break. I'm one of them. And just expect that. Set that as your expectation. And just just know you're not the type of person to spend time away from the sport and walk on onto the court and just feel great right out of the gate. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with you if that happens. It's totally normal. I would say probably for the vast majority of people. So When it comes to expectations and objectives, here's what you don't focus on. Don't focus on holistic mastery at all. What I mean by that is don't jump right into the deep end of starting to fix and improve all the different parts of your game. And definitely do not focus on anything even close to competition. Certainly not real competition where you are on on record and you're playing for a team and, and it counts towards some kind of goal. Take competition totally out of it. And we'll talk more about that later. Instead, here's what you should be focusing on. You should be focusing on building rhythm, building timing, increasing your comfort level, and increasing your confidence. Basically, you're trying to reacclimate to the rhythm of the ball going back and forth. Your body has to get used to being athletic again. Maybe you've done other things on the side. Maybe you, you spent time in the gym. Maybe you played some other sport instead. But if not, you got You have to keep in mind, you, you need to give yourself time and give your body time, your coordination, your, eye, your timing with your eyes and your hands. And your physical fitness, your foot speed, your general coordination and balance, if you haven't been doing anything during that break, it's going to take time and you have to set an expectation that is appropriate. There's so many, there's thousands of calculations and nuanced subconscious reactions that are taking place every time the ball goes back and forth. So if you totally remove yourself from that for weeks or months at a time, you have to expect that you're going to feel you're going to feel like a fish out of water those first couple times, at least, maybe even the first several days or several weeks. You have to get reacclimated. So 
instead of focusing on winning or mastery or developing your strokes, just focus on appreciating the thing. Appreciate just hitting the ball. Appreciate being on the court again and have that be your focus. Set that as your objective. It's just appreciation and enjoyment and happiness. And whatever happens those first couple of days for sure, don't focus at all on the outcome. Instead, just think about trying to find your rhythm again, your timing, uh, your, your confidence on the court. Zero focus on winning or losing or hitting targets, at least for the first several days, probably the first several weeks. Make it all about comfort, rhythm, and confidence. So that's number one. Set good expectations and focus on the right thing. Step number two, focus on your core skills, your biggest strengths that lay the foundation to your game. Everybody always talks about uh, a pyramid. We just recently developed a little training aid tool that uses the visualization of a pyramid with the, the most important thing on the base, on the bottom. And then the second most important thing built on top of that. And then the third most important thing on top of that, so on and so forth. Or you could use the, the house foundation analogy. The most important part of the house comes first. And it's the very base. And so if for you, if when you left, your biggest strengths for your forehand and your serve, your biggest goal during that enjoyment time on the courts where you're just focusing on rhythm and timing and, and just having a good time is getting those important foundational strokes comfortable again. So your forehand and your serve. If, if when you left, those were your biggest strengths, really focus and put a premium on getting those comfortable first so that you, you have them in your toolbox and you can rely on them as you fan out and branch out and start focusing on other auxiliary topics as you get comfortable and you start getting into a rhythm again. This is not the time to try propping up a big weakness saying, oh man, when I left, my backhand was terrible. I, I really need to get that backhand solid and then spend the next several weeks just focused on your backhand where you may or may not get it to a comfortable spot after a couple of weeks because you haven't even been on the court at all. So spending valuable time focusing on a big weakness to me, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because best case scenario, you get it to be maybe okay after a couple weeks, but what about all the big strengths that you were relying on before, before you took your break? Where are they? Do they have confidence? If you come back to the court and just assume that they're just going to be right where you left off, you may be very, very, very mistaken. And if you don't give them time and attention and nurture them a little bit as you step back onto the court for the first time, then they may abandon you if you jump right back into competition after trying to fix your weakness from where you left off. Definitely also don't focus on brand new skills to your game. You don't, this isn't the time to work on your half volley that you've never worked on before or advancing the skills that you left with before you took your break. So if your forehand was your big strength, but it was always kind of a flat shot, and so you're coming back and you're like, okay, this is it. Like this is, now I'm, I'm really going to focus on developing my game. Let's jump right into adding heavy topspin to that forehand. And so you jump right into a different element, developing a stroke that was already a strength, but now you're focusing on something totally different. This is not the time to do that because all of those things, I just mentioned three different elements, working on a big weakness or adding a totally new skill or advancing a skill that was already a strength. All of those different things take you immediately out of your comfort zone. And the whole point 
to coming back to the game should be comfort. Enjoyment and comfort. And enjoyment and comfort. <laughs> Those should be your goals as you step back out onto the court. And trying to develop something new or develop something old or develop a weakness that you had before immediately takes you right out of your comfort zone. And so while you're trying to find your timing and you're trying to get your body back into athletic pursuits again, and you're trying to get into a rhythm and get comfortable, if you're also trying to develop something new, then both those things happening at the same time, the chances of that are extremely low. Your goal right now is to stay squarely in your comfort zone until you have some positive momentum starting to build. And then you can start to think about competition or pushing yourself or developing something new or working on a weakness or anything else that takes you out of your comfort zone. So how do you do that? This is kind of sub sub element number two. Uh, number two is focus on your core skills, your biggest strengths to lay the foundation. How do you do that? So here's a couple ideas on, on how to actually accomplish that. Number one, cooperative rallies are a must with a cooperatively minded partner. Listen, you, you, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about as soon as I say it. Some tennis players are cut, some tennis players are cut out for cooperative hitting. Other players are not. Some have the temp temperament and the personality and the perspective on the game to just pick a target and just aim for it for 20 minutes straight. Other players do not have that patience. They do not understand the point and they will not be a very good practice partner for you to get the rhythm and get the repetition that you need to find your timing and get your comfort level again. So cooperative rallies with a cooperatively minded partner is super important. Don't spend a bunch of time with a really competitively minded person where every time you feed the ball down the middle, they just go for a winner off the first ball and they don't have the patience to rally cross court for 10 minutes at a time. That's not the type of hitting you want to do right now. Again, the goal is to stay in your comfort zone, not be con continually pushed out of your comfort zone. If you walk onto the court after months away or years away, and all you do is chase balls that are outside of your comfort zone, it's going to be very, very, very difficult to get any kind of rhythm and get any kind of momentum moving in the right direction. So co cooperative rallies are great, but a very big but you need to be working with the right kind of person. If you don't have that kind of person available, then get a ball machine. If you don't have a ball machine available, find a wall and use the wall. We've got a couple of great videos on YouTube about how to use a wall for training. Definitely check those out. Just uh, do a search for essential tennis wall and, and they'll definitely come up. Do drop feed hits. Do shadow swings. We talked a lot about those on the podcast. I won't go into a lot of depth here, but you need to keep yourself squarely in your comfort zone. And on top of that, when you go home, do some light fitness work and and uh, eye-hand coordination work at home. Tossing balls, maybe working on juggling. Just get your eyes and your hands working together and get your, your feet and your cardiovascular and your muscular system working together again and slowly start very easy, very slowly and gradually increase intensity as you go. So that's step number two. 
Focus on your core skills, your biggest strengths, to lay a foundation of rhythm, timing, comfort, and build a little bit at a time some positive momentum going in the right direction. Step number one was set a helpful, realistic objective. I'm sorry, not objection. Okay, step number three. This really could be a subpart of number one, but I need to come back to it. It's really important. Step number three is don't take anything seriously. Earlier, I was repeating the words comfort and rhythm. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was, it was comfort and enjoyment. Comfort and enjoyment. Those are your goals here. Get in a lot of repetition and do things that are fun for you. Do things that are enjoyable. That, that might be cooperative hitting. That might be with, with a partner. It might be with a ball machine. It might be hitting lots of forehands. It might be hitting lots of backhands. It might be hitting lots of volleys. I don't know what it is for you. If you're a doubles player, it might be doing a whole lot of serve and volley cooperatively and just working on that rhythm of, of serving and coming forwards. You need to make a list and go ahead and do this. Open up a, a, a Word document or a Google Doc or get a scrap piece of paper and just write a list of the top five things that you enjoy about being on a tennis court. It could be strokes, it could be drills, it could be rallies, it could be cooperative drills hitting back and forth. In fact, make it top 10. List 10 things and just focus on those 10 things for a couple of weeks. I would say definitely a solid two weeks and just focus on a lot of repetition and a lot of enjoyment. If you're not having fun, then do something else. This is not about hitting your best shots. It's certainly not about trying to win points. Certainly not about trying to win matches. This is just about finding your rhythm again and getting your body, your eyes, your hands, and your fitness acclimated again and moving in the right direction. So number three, don't take anything seriously. Number four, take it slow. I would highly recommend that for the first week or two, just hit half speed. And that for some of you, that's going to be very, very difficult. If, if you're just super excited about getting back onto the court, and in particular, if you're kind of a perfectionist by nature, and in particular also, if your expectations are not, not set really well, like we talked about in point number one, then it's going to be very tempting for you on the very first day, the very first 10 minutes of the first day, to go ahead and start ramping things up to your old full speed again. Because that's fun, right? It's, it's enjoyable to hit balls solidly. It's enjoyable to test yourself. It's enjoyable to see how good of a shot you can hit. That's just a fundamentally fun part about the game of tennis. But here's the problem. If you go right out of the gate and try to hit it full speed and your rhythm and timing can't support that acceleration you'll end up just making a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, if you've been away from the court for a while. And that feeds a negative reinforcement loop into your head. And you just have this experience of disappointment of, oh, I used to be able to hit that shot, I used to be able to hit that shot, and then, oh, that ball used to go in. And you're just over and over and over again reinforcing a negative outcome when you should be really disciplined about keeping things very, very managed very at a very, very comfortable speed, I would not go above a 5 or a 6 out of 10 for the first week or two. If you want to juice it up a little bit for the last five minutes because you just really enjoy doing that, that's cool. But 
if you try to jump right back to your old tempo, right back to your old swing speed, then more than likely, unless you're on the other end of the spectrum than I am, you're going to end up just being disappointed and upset. And a negative feedback loop a lot of times starts to happen where you get really frustrated that you're not hitting the shots that you used to hit. And so you drill even harder to try to find that rhythm and timing again. And the more you try it, kind of the more pressure you put on yourself. And then when you miss, you're even more upset. And there's just this downward spiral, this snowballing effect that happens with higher efforts, worse results, nothing's moving in the right direction. And all of a sudden you start getting really impatient and things are not fun anymore. Like the last 30 seconds I've been describing the situation on the courts, this is obviously not enjoyable. And so if you're not having fun and you're not living up to your expectations and you keep trying harder and harder and harder and you're not finding your rhythm and your timing, then all of a sudden things can end up being really frustrating really fast. So take a week or two just at half speed without any competition or any serious hitting at all. You're not trying to out hit anybody. You're not trying to win any points. And then slowly, as you feel comfortable and confident, then slowly start to ramp up the level of focus, ramp up the level of effort, and ramp up the level of intensity. But only as you feel like you have a foothold, like you have a handhold, and you've got a little bit of rhythm under your belt, then in the next session, go ahead and start to ramp it up. Go to a six or a seven out of 10 instead of a five. And just hang out there for a whole session. And once you can go most of a session feeling pretty solid there, then go ahead and increase to maybe a seven or an eight out of 10. But do not jump right into your old speed or you'll a, probably take a lot longer to find your your rhythm and your timing, and B, you're just going to be frustrated the whole way as you make that attempt. So, number one, set a helpful, realistic objective and expectation. Number two, focus on core skills and your biggest strengths to lay the foundation. We talked about how to do that. Number three, don't take anything seriously, definitely for the first couple of weeks. Number four, take it slow. And then number five, do not rush to competition. There's a really similar negative feedback loop that happens, just like we were talking about with starting off slow instead of jumping in really fast. Please go walk out onto the court telling yourself again and again and again that there is no need to prove anything to yourself or anybody else. That is the truth. And in your head, you may believe that, but as you step out there and you maybe see old friends, you see old teammates, and everybody's asking you, oh, great, when are you, you know, when are you playing? Oh, can you play in the match next week? All of a sudden, there's going to be some expectations. There's going to be some pressure. There's going to be questions about what people can expect from you and when. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel this external pressure and then internal pressure to have to be able to come back on some kind of timeline. And so it's critical to walk onto the court the first time with the expectation in your head, already firmly planted, that you don't have anything to prove to anybody, yourself, or anybody else. Competition too early can lead to a really negative cycle, being really uncomfortable and really unconfident if you haven't already established a little bit of rhythm and timing up until that point. And it's just like the technical feedback, negative feedback cycle I was talking about in point number four. If 
you have a lot of worry about getting back to your old level and a lot of pressure that you put on yourself and you allow other people to, to in your perception, put pressure on top of you to get back to your old uh, way of hitting right away. Then you'll start to really worry about it. You don't want to let those other people down. You don't want to let your teammates down, maybe partners that you used to play with. You don't want to let them down or your teammates. Then you go back to the practice court and you you practice that much harder and you're that much more intense and you're going to push yourself and rush yourself that much more to get to a competitive match and get back to your old competitive way of hitting the ball. And then when you go and you practice in that way, the chances of you finding a rhythm in your timing are really low. And then you start missing those shots that you were used to hitting before. You get really frustrated and you push yourself even harder. You miss more shots and then people ask you more questions. Maybe you gave somebody a date and you're like, oh no, how in the world am I going to be ready by then? You get the idea. And there's just this compounding effect of pressure and stress, internal and external, and it leads to just a really, really negative situation where you're not enjoying any of it. Like, what's the point? You're not having fun. You're not enjoying it. You're certainly not out there for the paycheck. It's not like you have to get up to be able to put food on the table again. This is not your career playing tennis. I'm assuming that you're doing it because you love it in the first place. So don't put that pressure on yourself either to hit great shots in the first couple of weeks or play matches in the first couple of weeks. Give yourself a solid month to just have fun, get in a lot of repetition, do drills and hit shots that you enjoy, hit the shots that you're most likely to get comfortable and confident with right away, take your time, be slow. These are all the biggest checkpoints that you need to pay really close attention to if you want to get back to your old way of playing as fast as possible. So really quickly, step one, set helpful, realistic objectives. Step two, focus on your core skills, your biggest strengths. Step three, don't take anything seriously. Step four, take it slow. And step five, do not rush to competition. Hope this is a huge, huge help. John, we love working with you. Every time we step on the court with you, you've really been a big inspiration to all of us, all your hard work and dedication. Hopefully this is a big help to you and the rest of you listening. If you've taken time off and you're coming back to the game, I'm really happy and excited for you to come back onto the courts. Hopefully you just keep these things in mind and you set yourself up in a really healthy, safe environment to get back into the game that you love and do it in a really effective, enjoyable way so that you're not feeling that pressure and you start hitting shots that you know you can hit sooner rather than later. For more free game-improving instruction, be sure to check out EssentialTennis.com where you'll find hundreds of video, audio, and written lessons. Also, be sure to subscribe to Essential Tennis on iTunes and YouTube where we are the number one resource in the world providing passionate instruction for passionate tennis players. Thank you so much for listening today. Take care and good luck with your tennis.